The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Live from a bunker in the heart of the Ozarks, a podcast that loves this movie. What is this movie again? It's Sif Pop. Welcome to Sif Pop Weekly, streaming live most Saturday mornings. We're available to download later in your podcast feed, unless, of course, you're a patron. Patrons get perks. Patrons get those perks. Woo! I'm your host, Aaron Dicer, and he brings me joy. Such terrible, terrible joy. It's Andrew Armsby, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. That sums me up perfectly. <laughs> Ahoy! Each week we'll chat about uh, television, movies, whatever else from the pop culture universe is on our minds. Usually movies, and of course, that's what we will be doing again today. It is the heat of awards season, and uh, I think pretty much we'll just be talking about awards contenders here through the end of the year so yeah gonna, gonna be fun uh lots to get to we've got uh, a new pinocchio movie out uh from guillermo del toro on netflix uh the whale uh is in theaters you can check that out with brendan frazier uh in honor of pinocchio coming out the same year as pinocchio we're going to do <laughs> best ever twin movies uh, which are uh, movies that have uh, very similar plots coming out the same year, uh, or within a year of each other, I should say. Uh, and then we'll do some buried treasure as well. So I don't see any reason to wait. Let's get into it. Uh, let's let's it. kick it off by chatting about Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. Over there. What is that? Papa! <gasps> He's just a puppet. No, I'm not. I'm a real boy. People are sometimes afraid of things they don't know. I don't understand. 
During the rise of fascism in Mussolini's Italy, a wooden boy brought magically to life struggles to live up to his father's expectations. Uh, we know the Pope Pinocchio story. If we didn't, we uh, knew it earlier this year when uh, <laughs> the version with uh, Tom Hanks' as Geppetto came out uh, from Disney. I don't remember either of us liking that movie. Andrew, did you like that movie at all? My least favorite movie of the year. Okay, well, there you go. I, re- I yeah. remember that, that we both had pretty negative opinions on it. Um, what about this one? What did you think? Did you like it, love it, dislike it, hate it, or it was just okay? One of the best movies of the year. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, no, I absolutely love this movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm with you uh, in the Loved It camp as well. Maybe not as high of Loved It. I'm on the lower side of Loved It. Um, I was debating between high side of Liked It and low side of Loved It. Tell me about uh, Tell me about your experience. Well, I'm fir- firmly in the Loved It camp. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. But um, everything that... Uh, the uh, Disney's animated version of Pinocchio did wrong. This movie did right. Um, I love the... This one really do- dove into a... Uh, I don't even know what you would call it, but the... Uh, uh, I hate using the term fish out of water because it's like a, it's that, that's not entirely true. It's more along the lines of like a pure discovery of the world and not only innocence, but ignorance of how the world works. Mm -hmm. And, uh, seeing that on display was executed to perfection here. The, the voice actor for young Pinocchio, uh, stellar, absolutely stellar. He, he nailed it. And, Gregory uh, Mann. Uh, I had a chance to meet Gregory uh, this past week and spent a few minutes talking to him. And uh, he asked him, like, is this like really kind of your first experience with a big exposure in a movie? And he's like, yeah, I've done some BBC stuff and, you know, a few other things. But, you know, coming to America and doing this whole, you know, big awards movie thing has been uh, quite a thing. He sounds nothing like he does in the movie now. He really yes, oh, because he's grown up. He is grown up. <laughs> well, from what I understand, there's actually two voice actors for Pinocchio because I guess like uh, this movie's it was in production forever. This Correct. movie's been in production forever, yeah. so they actually uh, have a second additional voice actor for Pinocchio because he uh, he grew up too quick, mm-hmm. or they they took so long filming. But uh, going back, I want to talk about uh, just. I wanted to mention him first, but I think if you were to give out awards for voice actors, David Bradley would be a shoe-in because his Geppetto was so genuine. He is absolutely my favorite part of this movie. Absolutely. Ewan McGregor's great, too. Like, They're all so good. Yeah. I just, I really, I think Ewan McGregor's uh, character is Sebastian. Um, I don't know, or or the Seb- talking cricket. I think in the credits it, it calls it Sebastian J. Cricket, which is interesting um, because that's not what we're used to. Uh, but um, but yeah, I, I thought it was great. There's a lot in this movie we're not used to, Aaron. <laughs> There's a lot in this movie I was not used to. Um, I could definitely feel uh, Guillermo del Toro, you know, kind of like a putting his weird, creepy, crawly fingers all over this movie. Mm, And it makes me wonder what in this movie is like uh, from the genuine story of Pinocchio as opposed to like the Disneyfication. Like there's uh, the the spirit embodiment of death and the hourglasses and stuff. I found absolutely fascinating. And I thought that that was uh, 
like one of the most unique ways. And I'm like, if this wasn't in the, or if it was in the original, you know, concept for Pinocchio, then I think that they should have left that in. Even the Disney ones. I know that it's a bit morbid, but I think that there's so many valuable life lessons in this retelling of the story. Those were uh, the rabbits. Are you talking about like the afterlife with the rabbits in the, um, well, yeah, but the blue thing, mm-hmm. you know, that's that's a death in the uh, in the credits. Mm. So, but yeah, uh, that's a uh, Tim Blake Nelson who's the uh, the Black Rabbits. Yes, playing poker. Yes, <laughs> this movie's so weird. This movie's so weird. <laughs> Tim was uh, Tim was sitting two rows behind me during the screening uh, when really? I was there this week. Yeah, and. Um, and it's it's always funny. It's always interesting going to these things because you do get a sense of people as like human beings as opposed to just like flickering lights on a screen, which is always uh, fascinating. Um, but I did not get a chance to talk to him, but uh, I mm. did see him sitting a couple seats behind me. So yeah, it's a shame George Clooney wasn't in this movie because then we'd have all three O Brother Where Art Thou <laughs> cast right. members in this. That's right. Yep. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of big names that you wouldn't necessarily know upon watching the movie, like um, Finn Wolfhard, Ron Perlman. Ron Perlman, you'd probably recognize. Tilda oh, yeah. Swinton, Kate Blanchett, uh, who plays, I think, the monkey, right? Isn't Kate Blanchett? Uh, yeah, Spazatura. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Christoph Waltz, who you'd probably recognize his voice. Uh, and John Turturro showing up in this movie as well. So. Yeah, lots of big names. Um, yeah, I think for me, the reason I come away, re- you know, like my biggest pro for this movie, I think, mm-hmm. is probably the technical achievement. Because stop motion animation is such a technical art, and it's so hard to do. And this movie is so gorgeous. The artistry on this movie is maybe the best stop motion animation I've ever seen. And that's saying something because there are a lot of great stop motion animated movies, but it's not taking anything away from Aardman or Wes Anderson or anything. No, it's It's just, it's a new level. It's a new level. It really is. It's insane. It's it's so good. It's a Jim Henson company too. Mm -hmm. It just made me smile that much more. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's really incredible to think that, you know, 30 times every second of this movie or 24 or whatever, you know, somebody was changing the positions on everything in these frames so that it would be this cinematic, like the planning that had to go in to the camera movements and the character movements and the, you know, all that kind of stuff is, it's just wild. And, um, I've, I've heard, uh, I heard, uh, Guillermo del Toro talk again this week at the event about one of the conscious decisions they make that I think really pays off in this movie is they consciously decided to animate mistakes. In other words, characters in this movie, for instance, very early on, I noticed somebody shut a door and it didn't shut all the way, and then they had to shut it again. And it's like these little things that happen in real life that usually when you're dealing with such intricate animation, animators aren't going to animate. They're going to like, why are we doing this? You know, kind of thing. Those moments are peppered throughout this where somebody will grab for a pencil and they'll kind of miss it and it'll, you know, they'll have to pick up a different one or, you know, whatever the case may be. And I really do think it just adds like life to this thing. Like it, it just really feels like everything that's happening with these 
hand moved puppets, you know, is is pretty fascinating. And of course, the other part of that is thematically and in a meta way, we're dealing with a story of a puppet who doesn't know that he's a puppet told by all puppets who don't know that they're puppets. <laughs> like it's it's yeah. really interesting. It, it gets pretty meta there for, yeah. for a bit. Yeah. So anyways, I just I thought all that stuff was the the artistry involved kind of put me over the top um on this one. And that's not to say there's not a lot of other stuff to like, for sure. Yeah. Um every single iteration of the Pinocchio story that I've seen throughout the years, which I can only think of three, maybe four. Um, none of the they all dealt primarily with you know Pinocchio finding him, finding out who he is, you know. But I think this movie tackles something that none of the others have, and I think it's Geppetto. This is more Geppetto's movie to Correct. me personally than it is Pinocchio's. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, uh, yeah, it does. You know, it follows Pinocchio, but it's more along the lines of like a, a Geppetto's uh, g- a grief and loss and and mourning and uh, uh, and what he d- chooses to love or what uh, he's afraid of losing. You know, again, it's mm-hmm. it's such a tragic and painful story. Uh, but, yeah, but that theme. That theme of loss is a part of love and is part of yeah. the beauty of love is it's so hard to pull off because we always think of loss, uh, you know, like the loss of life and the loss of somebody in our lives as such a terrible, tragic, traumatic thing. And because we focus on the trauma of that missing piece, uh, many times we forget that the reason that emptiness, that void exists is because of the beauty of something. It's because of the love and that's you know uh this movie does that so well really speaks about that idea of loss is a beautiful part of love and um or or can be with the you know with the perspective with the proper perspective uh kind of unrelated but i remember andrew garfield saying whenever he was doing uh press for tick tick boom Mm -hmm. it was right around the time that his mother passed away and so, you know, he was getting asked questions about that. And he said something which I thought was incredibly profound, and it stuck with me ever since. He said, grief is the extra love you never got to give the person who passed away. Mm-hmm. So all the grief you're feeling, that's just that love building up that has no outlet now. So I guess it's yeah. a beautiful way of saying, like, the more you grieve, the more you loved, you know? Mm-hmm. Isn't it? The, so. Isn't the famous phrase "What is grief if not love persevering"? Um, you know, like it's 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 this beautiful concept of the idea of the how they are tied together. Um, so yeah, and I just think I just think it's so well painted here. It's just so well preserved in the themes of what goes on here, and the movie doesn't let up with that theme. It doesn't. It doesn't end in a way where it sacrifices that theme. That theme goes all the way to the end and everything that that means. So uh, I was that's another thing that impressed me about this movie was its willingness to really embrace its message even to uh, the end. And um, a, a bit of a surprising end, like how it chooses to end, but not when you really think about the message and what it's trying to say. So, um, yeah. Yeah. So. What else? Uh, 
I found it very interesting to put this in fascist Italy. Mm-hmm. Um, it, 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 yes, it added, you know, a different layer to it, which kind of... It's interesting, you know, to put real-life uh, elements into this fantastical world, mm-hmm. especially when it's animated the way that it is. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a great commentary, but at the same time, it uh, it, it brings levity to it, too. Like, uh, Midget Mussolini, you know, he's, uh, you know, he's like, I don't like these puppets. I like these puppets. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's just, it's pretty good. It's, uh, it's humor. I was surprised how funny this movie was, especially... Ewan McGregor mm-hmm. had me rolling yeah. several parts. Yeah, I agree. There's lots of good humor th- here uh, in addition to the the depth. Um, it's really well done. It's really well done uh, all around, um, you know, through the movie. Did you have any negatives? Anything that uh, stood out to you in a negative way? I'm trying to think of something. If if I did, it, it must just be so minute that I can't really put a finger on anything right now. Can you help me out? Well, for me, I think the movie occasionally tries to do a little too much. Um, mm. I think some of the stuff it does with the fascism storyline, uh, I understand where it's going. And honestly, I have no problems with it overall. But it does feel like the movie is really trying to uh, go to some places that don't ne- it doesn't necessarily need to go to uh, do what it wants to do, to be the movie it wants to be. Um, so there are some of those moments, um, beautiful moments, by the way, but that felt a little bit unnecessary to me for the movie. So, um, yeah. But that's it. That's really the only negative that, that I would come away with. Bye-bye, uh, Papa. It's probably going to win best original song. You think so? I mean, over it, over the Weird Al song. I'm just kidding. Um. <laughs> I, I hate saying I hate saying it because I really really wanted that Weird Al song to win, but this is just. I'd be happy with either one of them winning. I'll just say that. So uh, I I learned this week, and somebody can correct me if I'm wrong about this. Weird Al is not eligible for Academy Awards for any category weird the the al yankovic story because it was never in theaters they never released it in any theater no i think it was streaming only there was no like qualification release or anything like that it is eligible for movie made for television at the emmys uh or in tv awards but uh, you won't see it winning any uh, cinematic awards so that is a crime shame i agree i agree uh, but enough about weird, the Al Yankovic story. Uh, <laughs> let's uh, finish up with some final thoughts on Pinocchio. Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. What is no your one last scene. thing? No post-credit scene. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for me, I think, I don't know if this is a hot take or not, but I think this is my favorite Guillermo del Toro movie. Um, I, I know that mm. probably won't surprise people who pay attention to my uh, opinions on movies. He usually kind of misses with me. We don't vibe. Like, GDT and I don't necessarily vibe as far as what he likes to put on the screen. Um, So, But this one hit me in a really special way just because I think uh, the story work is so intricate. And I think the darkness that he imbues in this makes sense, makes so much sense for this character in this story. So, um, So, yeah. 
So I think yeah. that's, uh, that this might be my favorite of his. I think, I mean, it's it's in the it's in the conversation, but I still think Pan's Labyrinth is my all time favorite Guillermo film. Yep. And I really like, and I really love Shape of Water too. But I, uh, man, this is a good movie. It really it's is a really good movie. It's really good. Huge recommend. Should be on Netflix now for you to check out. Yes. Uh, all right, let's move on to our next movie, Andrew. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the whale. Do you forget the feeling? People are incapable of not caring. People are amazing. A reclusive English teacher suffering from severe obesity attempts to reconnect with his estranged teenage daughter for one last chance at redemption. Uh, this is a Darren Aronofsky movie. Um, so what did you think of the whale? Brendan Fraser coming in here. Sadie Sink plays the daughter, as mentioned in the plot. Uh, Hong Chow uh, in here as well. What did you uh, think of this? Did you like it, love it, dislike it, hate it, or it was just okay? It's a great week for movies, Aaron. I love <laughs> this movie so much. Oh, nice. Well, I'll let you talk a lot about it. Um, I'm Firmly in the, it was just okay, uh, camp. Uh, um, maybe, maybe I could be nudged into the high side of just okay. Uh, I didn't come away from this loving it, liking it, but I also didn't come away from it hating it or disliking it. Like it just, okay. it feels like yeah, Aronofsky knows how to make a movie. Brendan Fraser's amazing, and then I'm just not sure I buy much of the rest of it. But talk about what uh, what you enjoyed about this movie. I get the hype now for the Brendan Fraser performance. Sure. You know, they've been talking about it all year. That's all anybody's been talking about is how good the Brendan Fraser. And I finally got to see it. And yeah, I was not let down. It is a truly transformative performance. Like to the point, like I, the mannerisms and, you know, the way he carries himself. It was breathtaking, honestly, how genuine and real this character felt. Mm-hmm. And, and I think there's there's a lot of uh, praise to give to the um, the costuming the and the prosthetics and it's just you know really really well done and I don't know how if any of it's digital or if you know if there are any kind of I'm sure there's some smoothing effects and different things that they've used but you can yeah. tell a lot of it is practical and uh, you know. It's just it's it it's it feels real. It feels real. Um so yeah. Yeah. Uh not only the performance, but just the character itself is so fascinating because it's it's very it's it's what I love in a character where a lot of characters in movies are just, you know, black and white. They're they're either good or bad or anything, but this is a very complex character where he's the villain, but he's also our hero. He's because we, we hope for good things for him because he tries to find goodness in others, but he's also the choices he's made in his life are very, you know, questionable. And, you know, they're not, uh, uh, some would say they're unredemptive. Some of the choices that he's made in throughout his life. And, uh, it's kind of like, this is like the last act of a desperate man to see everything through. 
to where he can, I guess, in his eyes, save his own soul. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we'll talk a little bit more about some of the things you loved. Cause I, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to rain on the parade just yet. So <laughs> like, you know, why is this movie awesome? Well, uh, a couple of, uh, I love the, I guess you could say this, it's a quad, you know, going back and forth between four main different people. But really, even though I love Sadie Sink, I think that the most interesting conversations happen between Brendan Fraser, Ty Simpkins, and Hong Chow. You know, whenever uh, Faith comes into uh, the, the conversation, I think it's done respectfully, but with passion. And, you know, uh, uh, Darren Aronofsky is, I guess, famous now for his last several movies being about Faith. You have Mother, mother and um, uh, uh, Noah, which I mm-hmm. absolutely hate. But um, but it, it's interesting to see how in this later half of his career, his movies, Faith is really playing a uh, a big part in his movies. And the, the Ty Simpkins character um, has a passionate naivete to it. And... Uh, the Hong Chao character, Liz, is a, uh, I don't even know how you would describe, like, a, a rage. Like, everything mm-hmm. is built upon rage and hate and disdain for a particular, uh, uh, not even a particular faith, or I don't even know what you would call it, but a a, a particular church, we'll just say. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and Brendan Frasian, or Frasian, Fraser, I gotta, I gotta say his name right because mm-hmm. he's been trying to do that all year now. It's not Fraser, it's Fraser. Yep, Fraser. Uh, <laughs> Fraser. I say it wrong but all the it, time, and I apologize, I do, Brendan. Yeah, I do too. Um, it's Brandon Fraser. Yeah. <laughs> you imagine like, that every no. story, everybody starts getting the last name correct. Yeah, but they, but they get the first keep name. messing up the first name. Yeah, finally. He's like, oh, it took forever, but no, it didn't work. <laughs> um, but no, this. But he, his character, Charlie is kind of like the happy medium between these two where he can understand faith and love, but he's also cautious and wary of like how faith can hurt. And that's something that you don't see in movies a lot. Faith just being used as a tool of pain. You can see faith being used as a weapon. You see that all the time in movies. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, I think the best example I can think of off the top of my head is like Book of Eli. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that they really use faith as a weapon in this, but this is just, uh, it can be used to hurt people. And I really like this, how he's grasping at straws to find anything that would just uh, redeem his mistakes throughout his life. Mm-hmm. Grasping at straws is, it could be the my review of this movie. I, I think this movie is, is really messy. I don't, I, mm. I need somebody to unlock this movie for me. Um, the thing, the things you're talking about with the faith element is the worst part of the movie for me. I, I don't, I, I don't understand. I have no concept. Uh, I, it feels very shallow to me. I have no idea what he's trying to say. I have no idea. Like even you were kind of searching for, what do I call it? Is it a is it a church? Is it a cult? Is it a you know whatever? Like everything is so ill defined that I 
I am I am treading water. Like I'm trying to figure out, you know, what what the motivating moving part underneath the surface is. And I don't think Aronofsky, at least for me, was able to reveal to me why people care about this. What does what you know, what was meaningful about this to them in a way where I could connect to anything because the, the faith element or the movie in general? Both. Both. Okay. But primarily the faith element is is what I'm talking about right now. Because every character because in essence this is a movie if i can find if i can boil it down to its simplest part it's a movie about a man trying to find redemption but yeah. i don't think i ever understand what that redemption is beyond eh, i'd like to i'd like you know to reconnect with my daughter okay but what does this other stuff how does this other stuff meaningful to that how does it play into that um, and look, if it's just slice of life, if it's just, hey, I'm going to drop you into this real world and these are real people and this is how they think, fine. Um, I don't know that Aronofsky usually works that way. So it's kind of strange to me because he's usually very intricate with how he uh, plays with ideas of meaning and message and, and metaphor. And I just think beyond a, a admittedly great performance, I could not find the key to unlock this movie. And I just found myself going, okay, that's happening, but why like why? What is what is important about it thematically? What is important about it uh for these characters? Um I just I was lost a lot of the time. I just I just felt like it was really messy. I thought this movie was really interesting, uh, reversal role, like a view from the other side of uh, Moby Dick, which they, you know, they talk mm -hmm. about in the show. Sure. You know, Brendan Fraser is the white whale, and I think that Sadie is Ahab. And I think but that, that's like, nowhere a, in this movie, like, there's, there's nothing backing that up in this movie. Like, are there scenes where we see her? You know, treating her father as a white whale as some you know object, you know to uh, conquer. I think that maybe Aronofsky is saying that in in his version of uh, Moby Dick, mm -hmm. Ahab is not he's he's looking for an outlet to fill his or to. Uh, to throw his rage and hate and anger at, and it's not a it's not a great conquest or like a personal vendetta against the whale. It's just uh, it he needs an outlet, and I think that that's what this is. Like Sadie is looking for an outlet to just unleash her hate and rage, and the whale in this case is a person, so the person can you know talk back. It can this freaking fly i'm gonna kill him um <laughs> he's fly he's like adamant of right around my face and it's ruining everything i can't concentrate is it your moby dick is that that fly yeah. you're all of a sudden gonna become yes. obsessed yes. <laughs> you're captain ahab after I'm this gonna, fly i'm gonna get you i'm gonna get you but uh moby flick moby flick oh god no um <laughs> uh, but it's but i think that uh, and then you have ty simpkins and hongju is quick and uh, ishmael 
I think that this is just Aronofsky doing his version, even though it's based on a play. Uh, it's really, you know, uh, Samuel D. Hunter's uh, retelling of Moby Dick. But I think that this whole thing is, yeah, it's just a big metaphor for uh, Moby Dick. I'm not finding it. That doesn't work for me. I just, I can't make it line up. I don't understand how the characters relate to that story. Maybe I don't understand Moby Dick enough. Maybe that's it. Maybe I just, I need to do some more uh, research into that story or that novel, but it's a boring book. <laughs> and I'm, I'm joking. I'm joking. It's, it's actually really good. I will say I did not find this movie boring. So let me be clear, uh, and mm. I think that's why I kind of end up, you know, on the just okay camp is because this is not a boring movie. It's an interesting movie. Like as I'm watching it, I am I am interested in what is going on, and I'm interested in who this person is, um, and uh, and I think it's there's an honesty to the way it handles food addiction and those kind of things that is interesting. And so I, I was, I was invested is the wrong word. I wasn't really invested, but I was curious. I was curious through this movie about these people and what would happen. And by the time I got to the end, I don't think that curiosity was rewarded. Like, I don't think that there was a moment where I was like, Oh, okay. Now I have discovered something. Um, and, yeah, I just I just came away with very empty feeling about this movie. I just didn't feel like there was mm -hmm. a lot underneath the surface, um, and that what was on the surface was really just kind of a mess. Um, so, so yeah, that's where I landed. I don't think there's anything wrong with this movie being a mess. I think being a mess fits that's this fair. film perfectly. That's fair. That is absolutely fair. We all want different things from storytelling. We all want different things from our movie experiences, and sometimes messy is what somebody is looking for that somebody yeah. is not usually me i like structure i like the idea that that there is uh something deeper and more meaningful going on um and i just i couldn't find it here we'll we'll talk about um i'm sure we'll talk about tar uh, again as we go through kind of the end of the year but i read an article recently and i already liked tar a lot like i think we when we talked about it it was pretty clear that <clears throat> that I enjoyed the movie, but th this article unlocked the movie for me in a new way. And, um, I love those experiences. And I'm wondering if there may be a review at some point that I read with this movie and it, there's just a key somewhere that I'm missing that helps me be able to organize and process what's happening in this movie in a more cohesive way, but I'm not there yet. Mm. Um, so I am, firmly on the side of our love our our understanding and love or dislike for movies evolves it changes um there's nothing wrong with that how you experience a movie the first time does not have to define how you feel about that movie forever and i would love it and be excited oh, yeah. if somewhere down the line somebody taught me how to love this movie um there's nothing wrong with that so so yeah there are I, there are countless examples of movies the first time I saw that I just I didn't get it, but then sure. either I unlocked it myself or somebody else you know helped me out mm -hmm. and I'm like oh how did I not see this the first time yeah. and you know maybe though that just won't happen with this movie for you you know mm -hmm. but uh 
I hope it, I hope you eventually get to see the movie that I saw. And there are different parts of our love of storytelling that can get unlocked. I'm talking mostly on an organizational intellectual level, right? You know, on an emotional level, this movie could get unlocked for me in an interesting, uh, you know, way at some point. I I I was frustrated frustrated by the emotion in this movie at times because I I think it's a movie about a father and a daughter. But I never understood how I was supposed to feel um, about them. Even by the end, and we're not going to spoil anything here, I I felt like the ending was very anticlimactic um, and didn't really unlock the emotional part of this movie for me uh, in any meaningful way. So, um, so yeah, I I, I just didn't quite have that experience on any level. The ending of this movie had me crying. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> that's really beautiful. Did. No, that's really beautiful. did. Do you want to talk about it a little bit without spoiling it? Um, I think that it was for me. This movie is a man grasping at straws to find some form of you know. It doesn't even have to be his daughter. I think that mm-hmm. I think that maybe that's where you and I differ. As uh, I think this movie is like giving him so many options to like. Where do I need to focus, you know, my energy? Do I focus it on my family? Do I focus on my faith? Do I focus on uh, not his health? His health is never on his, you know, radar priorities. Um, I think he's really trying to uh, uh, wrestle with, uh, you know, his... How can I say this? He is trying to wrestle and find forgiveness from his daughter, but I think the movie is also saying he's trying to wrestle and find forgiveness for the church. Like, he's searching for forgiveness, and he's trying to get forgiveness. I think all of so, that's possible. I just don't think the movie does anything to help us understand how that is either resolved or unresolved. Either way, I don't think the the, the movie helps us... Uh, understand by the end how any of that is meaningful um in what's going on so but i but i agree like i agree that all that stuff is is laying there on the surface i just i just don't know how uh, let me let me let me ask you this question cuz i don't okay. think you have to spoil anything to answer this question and i know you said you were crying tearing you know whatever which i love by the way i i love movies that, that i i cried twice during pinocchio so there there we go yeah um, <clears throat> the the Tom Hanks one. Yes, the, yeah, not the not the Guillermo del Toro one. Yeah, it was the, yeah. the Tom Hanks one. I cried just because I was so very sad at the state of movie making at Disney. Yeah, you were um, crying because you're like, <laughs> why do I ever watch this? <laughs> How does the movie want us to feel about the ending? Does it want us to feel sad? Does it want us to feel uh, happy? Does it want us to feel joyful? Does it want us to feel angry? I feel all of those things except anger. Okay. I feel all of them except angers. And um, what does the sadness feel? The sadness is the finality of it all. I'm trying to, you know, tiptoe around everything, sure. but uh, um, there's a there's a finality, like an impendingness to it of a. Uh, of not only the movie finishing and stuff, but uh, is the movie uh, is the center conflict of the movie resolved by the ending? For who? 
for you asking for which character? Yeah, that's a very uh, valid. That's a very valid question. Um, for I Charlie, think you could. I think that for Charlie, he found some semblance of peace, whereas Sadie, I think, uh, a a a road to uh, you know a peace has been like a foundation has been laid. She's definitely not there yet. She. Uh, I find that really tra. Is this a tragic movie? Yes, it's okay. an incredibly tragic movie. Okay. Yes. Okay. So, but there's so also you believe be- the movie you believe the movie is ending as a tragedy and is is saying this For, is terrible. I, it's saying that it it's just sad. I I, I think the movie is saying uh, uh, some some stories don't have a happy ending. Okay. So but you see what I'm grasping like see I'm I'm having so much trouble understanding how I'm supposed to feel and that's not good. Like if I am processing and trying to process like Wait, I'm confused. I am I supposed to feel like I don't think that's the movie's intent. And if it is, congratulations, success. But that doesn't make an enjoyable experience for me um, to be flailing like that at the end of a movie. So I know that you're you're not opposed to movies that make you think, or oh, that make, yeah. or that make that. you work, or a movie that makes you work with it, or to, even a movie uh, that's open ended. Like, not, like yeah. things don't have to be resolved, but for me, it has to feel intentionally unresolved, and this didn't. Mm. Okay. This is confusing. I don't know if the movie thinks it resolved anything. Like, I, I am having such a hard time understanding. So, anyway, I'm just trying to give you a perspective into totally why I le- why I left this movie feeling so empty, like feeling like you know because I was just. I was I was very confused about a lot of things, um, and, and again, not plot wise, not structure wise, yeah. depth wise, like you know, uh, storytelling wise. Um, you know, I in in it, at the end of the day, you don't have to know a director's intent or a writer's intent or an actor's intent to experience something. The problem becomes if the experience itself is distracting you from feeling something learning something, you know, being something, experiencing something, seeing something. And this that's what happened to me in this movie. And mm. I don't even know if it's the movie's fault. You know, we say it all the time. It could just be me being in a weird place. Um, so Well, Darren yeah. Aronofsky is definitely always in a weird place. <laughs> <laughs> so. I usually like Aronofsky, though. I mean, Mother's yeah. one of my favorites. Like, yeah. Mother! Um, I like Noah. I defend Noah. Like, I, I usually dig Aronofsky. So this this one left me uh, really wanting more. I can't um, defend. So. I can't defend Noah. But Mother, Black Swan, and Requiem for a Dream are some of the best movies. The Fountain. Like, do you like? The I fountain? love the Fountain. I See? love the Fountain. See? Yeah. Well, he, I think honestly, this is his most grounded movie. Maybe that's the problem. Maybe the maybe it's just too like. Maybe it's Real? supposed to be all on the surface. Maybe there isn't anything else going on here. That's and okay. That's fine. And then I just didn't enjoy it. Then it just wasn't a great experience for me. That's okay. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, it's okay. It's okay, guys. It's not a boring movie. It is not something you're going to walk away from going. Oh, that's the worst thing I've ever. Well, I don't think you'll walk away from it going. Oh, that's the worst thing I've ever seen. I just you may have the experience I have, which is wow, Brendan Fra- Fraser is amazing. Um, but I'm not sure any of this <laughs> really rest, is. Rest of this yeah. movie connects with me. Yeah, he's gonna win Best Actor. I have a, a I, really, it really strong feels that feeling. way. It really yeah. feels that way. Either him or Tom Cruise. 
Yeah. Oh, for uh, <laughs> Top Gun? Can you imagine? If Tom Cruise even gets nominated, that's going to be amazing. I Give that man an Oscar. Are you kidding me? Like, it's just this this weird thing where it's like, oh, you in order to be a great actor, you have to do these sorts of things. And Tom Cruise is yeah. like, I'm just here being amazing for decades on decades. Like, you know, give the man an award. Anyways. Yeah. Uh, that is the whale in a little bit of Top Gun Maverick. Uh, before, <laughs> we, before we head on to the uh, best ever challenge for the week, thank you to our Sif Pop members. Yes. Uh, Want to let you know we have uh, instituted a new timeline for when you will get your stuff. Um, when we have a, a members only show, that will drop for you when the regular episode drops for everybody else. But you're going to get the regular Sif Pop episode again ad free the day before. So. Um, you should have it in your members-only podcast feed uh, that you will get as a Sif Pop member uh, the day before it goes live to everybody else. Um, so that's a lot of fun. We're doing that. I will also let you know, members-only shows are on hiatus for the holidays. We have uh, a lot of family stuff and different things that we're doing uh, that is impacting our time. Uh, we will be back to doing those pretty much weekly uh, starting in the new year. So I did just want to give you a heads up uh, about that. But if you want to check out all the information, you can do that at, at uh, patreon.com slash SIFPOP. And thank you to our amazing SIFPOP members. We do love and appreciate you. Mike Rowe here with a few thoughts on my favorite sweatshirt, a classic zip-up hoodie that used to be navy blue but has since faded to what the fashionistas call a distressed indigo. It's 13 years old. Soft as a flannel bathrobe, and after a few hundred dirty jobs, demonstrably and undeniably indestructible. This is the kind of sweatshirt girlfriends like to permanently borrow. But I've held on to this one because I got it from American Giant. American Giant makes all their stuff right here in the USA so they can control every link in their own supply chain. That matters. Because when you buy American Giant, you not only get great quality, you create jobs for people in factory towns all over the country. No pressure, but if you give a damn about the business of making things in America, you got to support the companies who are doing it right. Go to American-Giant.com Mike to get 20% off your first order. That's American-Giant.com Mike. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. 
And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right, let's get into the best ever challenge. Best ever twin movie. Now, there's a little bit of wiggle room here. Uh, you can get a little bit creative, creative, but the idea is there are these movies that come out within a year of each other that are the same thing. Uh, they talk about the the classic example for this is Volcano in um, Dante's Peak. Dante's Peak, right? Like, how are there two volcano disaster movies that just happened to come out in the same year? Way to uh, steal my number one. I was going to say, and I didn't feel like I was in danger of stealing anything on anybody's list by mentioning either of those movies. Uh, I enjoy so. Dante's Peak. It's all. I mean, sure. Okay. I mean, fair. They're they're popcorn <laughs> flicks. They're popcorn flicks. Yes. Yeah. No, you're not wrong. Like like Twister. You know, Twister yes. and Sharknado are actually my number one. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. I yeah. don't think those came out within a year of each other. So how do, how are we doing this? I'm assuming it's only we're listing one movie. Correct. And then the other is the one that is just reference. Correct. That is exactly okay. right. So we are ranking any movie. That has a twin, and then we will mention what the twin was. Um, yeah. It is possible for you to have two twins on your list. You know, like just, you know, you could have, um, I, I might be stealing, I don't think I am, uh, but you could have like Armageddon at number three and Deep Impact at number one, you know, or, or whatever. Like that, that is a, a possibility. Um, but uh, we shall see how it happens. For my list, for my top five at least, and in honorable mentions, I was a little more stretchy. For my top five, I tried to use movies that really uh, are the epitome of the topic, right? Like I didn't try to stretch yeah. it too far um, with my top five. Um, but we shall see. We'll go number five to number one. Of course, we will. Trump! If uh, somebody has it higher, uh, you will hear that lovely sounder uh so we can talk about it for whoever has it the highest uh, andrew you want to kick us off what is your number five i'm gonna go with capote oh. and the other film is infamous yeah yeah that's a good one very good i didn't think yeah, about that one i th i think that both toby jones and philip seymour hoffman nailed the truman capote character mm -hmm. and uh but i think that the way uh, Bennett Miller directed Capote really focused on what I f wanted to know most about, you know, this person. Because it, it focuses so much on uh, In Cold Blood, which is, like, one of the most prolific novels ever written, mm -hmm. um, based on true story of the Kansas murders in 59. Uh, and how Truman Capote wanted to make a buck off of it. And seeing how this character transforms from who he is at the beginning to where he is at the end, and he realizes that there are people involved. You know, it's it's a truly, truly brilliant performance by Philip Seymour Hoffman. And you also have great performances by Catherine Keener, uh, Clifton Collins Jr. Yeah, it's great. It's an underseen movie, too, Capote. I don't know that a lot of people have checked that one out, um, but it's it's worth a watch. Um, yeah. I think it's a good choice. Good choice. Your number five? My number five is Braveheart. Uh, I had it at number five. Uh, Rob Roy. Rob Roy? Okay. Coming out yeah. within uh, a year of that one. 
which again really interesting just two biopics uh during the same time uh with very similar feel uh to these movies very scottish uh, i i w- if i would have thought about that one it would have been my list yeah yeah uh by the way rob roy not a bad movie but braveheart a very is, good movie yeah braveheart is is absolutely <laughs> a classic uh so i wanted to mention that um Braveheart, the la- I think I watched it within the last four years, um, is it holds up in most ways. But there are a few moments where I'm like, oh boy, that that is a really, uh, you know, um, dated way of doing that action scene or dated way of, you know, doing that speech or whatever. And uh, it's interesting to watch movies age, but this one still has a special place for me. I, I still really enjoy watching Braveheart, so... Oh, it's one of the greatest movies ever. Yeah. Uh, that's my number five. What's your number four, Andrew? Dread. Mm. Came out the same year as The Raid Redemption. Okay. Uh, elite, right. An elite group of uh, uh, police having to climb their way up a mega structure to get the big bat at the top. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, I love the Raid Redemption, and either honestly, either one of these could be the number four. Just interchange them. I think I like Dread more just because I'm more familiar with the character, and you know, knowing that it's based on a comic, you can really you know stretch it out over the uh, uh, over the the bombasticness of it all. You know, mm-hmm. some of the great actions, all the slow mo stuff is. It's such a, a, an interesting and beautiful, unique way to make special effects a part of the story. Like an actual character, almost. Mm-hmm. It was really good. The Raid Redemption, probably some of the best fight choreography out of any film ever. Yeah. It's, yeah, they're both so good. <laughs> Uh, good choice, good choice. Uh, my number four, I'm sure, was fairly obvious uh, to anyone that would be on my list somewhere. Uh, four is where I have a bug's life um, that came out the same uh, within a year of Ants, uh, the yep. DreamWorks version of this kind of movie. Take those off my list here. Uh, I'm My love for Pixar is known. A Bug's Life is, I think, one of the most underrated Pixar movies Possibly because it came after Toy Story. Pixar wasn't kind of a known quantity yet. Uh, There was the conversation with ants. And I just think when you watch Bugs Life uh, on its own now, you realize, oh, man, they kind of hit it out of the park on their second movie, too. Bugs Life is really, really good. Uh, So, yeah, that comes in at my number four. Ants is good, too. I like ants. Yeah, ants is okay. Uh, What is your number three, (laughs) Andrew? Number three, this is where I have Tombstone. Yes, good choice, good choice. Yeah. That was my first honorable mention. I mean, it's, I mean, nothing against Kevin Costner, but Tombstone is leagues, leagues, leagues better than Wyatt Earp. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, Val Kilmer's Doc Holliday, Kurt Russell as, you know, Wyatt Earp. It's, it's a star-studded cast, you, you know... It, <sighs> This is one of the best, I think, I don't know what when you would consider the cutoff for modern is, but mo- as far as like modern westerns and stuff, I think this is there and so is 310 to Yuma is like some of the best westerns we've ever gotten since like, when did this come out? 2000? Maybe even sooner than that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, from Tombstone on, it's just been kind of a dry stretch of westerns but this is so good yeah 
Tombstone's great. It absolutely yep. is. Your number three. My number three is Babe. Uh, Babe came out the same year as another pig movie called Gordy. Gordy. Yep, uh, I've seen both. I have as well. Uh, one of them's awesome, and that is Babe. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Babe is a, such a special movie to me. It's just, it, you, you know what Babe is? Good. Ba- Babe is Paddington before Paddington existed. It's got that same, like, innocence, you know, uh, life, you know, naivete, embracing life in a big way. It's got the same feel to it. And um, I just think it's it's beauty, it's joy. I think the ending is one of my favorite and uh, most impactful endings of a movie like this. I just, <laughs> I love it. Uh, Babe is great. I, I love the ending of this movie too. Everybody in the crowd just dead silent, just uh-huh. watching. <laughs> So good, and then and then James Cromwell just closed that gate, and everyone's yep. like, "Whoa, <laughs> so great! It's so good!" And then, of course, the line right after that—that'll do, pig. That'll do, pig. That'll do. I'll tell you uh, what you shouldn't see, and that's uh, Babe Pig in the City. No, <laughs> that just spits it's, on everything. This movie did good. <laughs> it's good. I mean, it's okay in a different way, right? It's a different movie. It's, it's a slapsticky different kid feel. Movie. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's also interesting because um, Babe Pig in the City, I was trying to remember, um, didn't somebody else direct that? Wasn't that George Miller? Didn't George Miller direct Babe Pig in the City? Yes, he sure did. Yeah, that's right. They went with George Miller for the sequel, which is such an interest. His career is so interesting to me. Um, <laughs> Babe Pig in the City followed by Mad Max Fury Road. Yeah. Followed by Happy Feet, yeah, um, yeah. It's it's uh, and by the way, we know those didn't happen. That like oh yeah, but we're just listing order, like just listing yeah the extremities of his directing range. Anyhow, check out Babe. Seriously, if you if you uh, if you haven't, uh, you need to see that. Need to see yeah. it, Babe. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's a Best Picture nominee. Sure so. is. That's right. People forget. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, on to our number twos. Get ready on the button, Aaron. Okay. My number two is The Prestige. Trump! Yeah. Leaving no suspense as to what my number one is. Yeah. Uh, my number two is The Truman Show. Uh, comes in at number two for me. Ed TV came out within a year of The Truman Show. And Ed TV. The, that was the the one where, was it McConaughey? Um, yeah, yeah, Matthew McConaughey. But it basically just followed a guy. The only difference between Truman Show and Ed TV is Ed knew he was a 24-7 television show. And it's really interesting that these... uh, It's a Ron Howard movie, too, by the way. Um, So it has a little uh, credence to it. But, uh, But it just kind of never... Never took off, but um, but the Truman Show. Many of you know my love for the Truman Show. Conceptually, performance wise, um, it is one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, so yeah, I had to put it on here for sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm. There's a reason why. I, uh, uh, if I've I've never even heard of Ed TV, but I'm sure that it would have made my list if I if I'd seen it mm-hmm. or even heard of it. So, what's your number one, Andrew? Uh, the Matrix. Yeah, you know, I I thought of putting The Matrix on my list, and um, I think because what, like Dark City? Is that what Dark you're City. thinking? 
yeah, it just wasn't it, it wasn't close enough for me to be like, ah, this embodies the list. And so, you know, Dark City is quite a bit different than The Matrix in, in a, a lot of a, ways. Well, yeah, I mean, thematically, it's it's pretty similar. You yes, know, thematically, your world. it's very similar. And, I, yeah. and I'm not begrudging you putting it on your list. I completely okay. think it's a valid choice. Um, yeah. It's just one I decided not to make. Clearly, The Matrix would have been, you know, up towards my, you know, number one as well. Yeah. All right, Aaron, you're number one. My number one is, drum roll please, you'll never guess, my number one is The Prestige. Hey! Um, <laughs> came out the uh, within a year of The Illusionist, um, yeah. which is not bad. Illusionist is not bad, but The Prestige <laughs> it's is... Not, it's not The Prestige, it's though. It's not The Prestige, though. Uh, the Prestige is, again, one of the greatest movies ever made. I think Christopher Nolan's best film. Um, it is just intricately beautiful uh, and great performances, great story, fantastical. Uh, at the same time as being grounded, I just I love the prestige. Uh, it's such a great watch. Yeah, it's it's obviously our uh, winner of the week. So yeah, you had it at number two, right? So you're yeah. number two, my number one. So there you go. Uh, what about honorable, honorable, honorable? <laughs> yeah, I I have three that weren't mentioned. Okay, so The Shining. And Amityville Horror. Yes, you know, I think that's, yeah. Both, you know, movies of people moving into haunted houses, mm-hmm. and then the dad gets possessed and chases everybody with yep. an axe. Yeah. And, yeah. That's the definitely same movie. a twin movie. Uh, Mowgli and the Jungle Book. Mm-hmm. This is the, uh, I prefer the, uh, uh, what's what's his name? Andy Circus. Circus. Yeah, thank you. I, def- I way prefer his version over the Disney. Man, whenever it comes to like somebody doing, this is the second time I guess that it's happened. Not that uh, Disney's The Jungle Book is a bad movie or anything. It's actually decently good. Right. But um, I think that this and um, Pinocchio are good examples of Disney hearing that one of the. Uh, Properties that they originally made is, you know, uh, public use now. Mm-hmm. So, like, yeah. oh, crap. So, Guillermo del Toro is going to be doing a, uh, uh, a Pinocchio and Andy Circus is doing a Jungle Book. We need to get ours out first. Uh, quality be damned. We need to get mm-hmm. ours out first. And I think that people are starting to cat- or realize what they're up to now. I didn't mention this in our review of Pinocchio. Uh, I did tweet about it a little bit, and maybe I'll go into a little more depth here, if you don't mind me interrupting Go for it. mentions for a second. I think this Pinocchio from Guillermo del Toro is one of the greatest arguments for the limitation of IP ownership um, that, that I would use, that I would see. And what I mean by that is this. If you've listened to this podcast for any length of time, you know I am a proponent of limiting IP ownership, that I think it should be a lot less time. I think things should be in the public domain much faster than they are right now. Because the idea of public domain is that once a thing, a creative idea, a story, a character, those kind of things have become popular enough, they cannot be owned the world owns them. We all own them. We all own Sherlock Holmes. We all own Pinocchio. We all, that's the idea. The idea is that once it becomes so well known that there's, there's not a way or shouldn't be a way for somebody to cordon that off and go, you can't use this to tell your stories. You can't use this to 
But we have become so conditioned to IP ownership and the idea that somebody can own the rights to a story or to a character that we think that feels wrong. How can you take that away from somebody? How could you, you know, uh, begrudge them the ability to make money from something they created? And can we just be honest? Uh, Disney didn't create Marvel. Uh, Disney didn't create Star Wars. Uh, Dis- you know, like these IP has become this conglomeration of uh, ownership interests in capitalistic ideas as opposed to the idea of storytelling and creation. Here's my suggestion. And I th- again, the reason I think uh, Pinocchio kind of is an example of this is it's a great movie. And the idea that two Pinocchio movies could come out the same year is beautiful to me. The idea that you, we could choose the better one and be like, this is great. We would not have Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio if Disney owned Pinocchio in perpetuity and was the only one allowed to ever tell stories with Pinocchio in them. Um, we would not have the BBC's Sherlock. We would not have, you know, there's all these things that we would not have um, if if public domain wasn't a thing. But we are squeezing public domain out of existence because we are reverting the idea to uh, capitalism and ownership as opposed to art and storytelling. Um, But here's my idea. My idea is this. If you personally created something, if you personally created a character or a story, you should have rights to that character, story, IP, everything until the day you die. It's yours. You are the only one who gets to tell those stories, make money off of them, whatever. You could sell. You can sell that IP that you created if you like. Um, And at that point, you won't own it. But if you want, it's yours till the day you die. Once you die, it does not pass on to your children. It does not pass on. Once you die, it's public domain Yeah. um, uh, in that way. If you own IP, if you buy IP from someone who created it, you get thirty. You get thirty years to make money off of it, or thirty million dollars. Thirty years or thirty million dollars profit, whichever comes last. So this allows you, if you buy buy IP that's not successful, but you want to recoup that investment, you know, you aren't going to. It's not going to be public domain until you have re, you know, actually made some money off of it. Um, or whatever. But if you're making a ton of money off of it, you've got 30 years, then it's public domain. Um, that's not perfect because I haven't done any research, but that's the idea. Like the idea would be you, you limit the amount made or the time to a much shorter time so that we can have, you know, um, Spider-Man movies from whoever wants to make a Spider-Man movie, you know, like it's just as opposed to having to, you know, have it be all under one corporate, you know, ownership, that kind of thing. Um, I just think it's it's a recipe for stunted art and storytelling to um, create a indefinite IP ownership um, and to keep extending those things into the centuries, centuries. It's just like, when does it stop? When when does are we able to tell the stories we want to tell with characters that are all of ours now? They don't belong to companies. They belong to all of us. Um, so anyhow, that is my, there, there, that's my public domain rant, um, rant over, uh, we can continue on with your honorable mentions. (laughs) No, that was beautiful. And I agree. I think that public domain is getting a little out of control now. Yeah. Um, the, the very last one is, 
won't you be ni- won't you be my neighbor and a beautiful day in the neighborhood Aaron which of these is the Tom Hanks movie <laughs> the Tom Hanks movie is won't you be my neighbor is it I I, I think so <laughs> I think a beautiful day in the neighborhood is a documentary but I could be wrong and your point is well made because I know I could be very wrong uh, won't you be my neighbor that's the one you said is the Tom Hanks one sure no it's not no, I said the other one then. Okay. Nobody can rewind and check check that. Nobody has the ability to check that at all. I was absolutely correct. Uh, I <laughs> what have, about you? I have a few that I wanted to go over just because we think of this as a modern thing that's only happened recently. This has happened throughout movie history. Oh, yeah. Uh, Gone with the Wind, the same year Gone with the Wind was made, a movie called Jezebel was made that is basically the same idea as, a, you know, a Southern woman, you know, trying to, you know, survive through the war, those kind of things. Uh, there's another um, war movie uh, satire the same year as Dr. Strangelove called Failsafe. Uh, the same year The Graduate came out, there was another one called You're a Big Boy Now uh, that had basically the same plot. Um, a good one uh, is Jesus Christ Superstar in Godspell. Two Jesus musicals coming out the the same year. Uh, Are they both really Andrew Lloyd Webber? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, wait, they're both Andrew Lloyd Webber? No, I was asking if they're both Andrew Oh, no, 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 oh. I don't believe they are. Uh, First Blood came out the same year as a movie called Some Kind of Hero, which was a very similar, um, you know, Vietnam, uh, you know, that uh, tries to get revenge kind of thing. Mm. Um, Back to the Future came out the same year as a movie called Peggy Sue Got Married and uh, has very, very similar plots about time travel and those kind of things. Uh, Top Gun came out the same year as Iron Eagle. Uh, you know, yeah, two, two yeah. fighter pilot movies. Yeah. Mention Armageddon, Deep Impact, Flight Plan, and Red Eye. I think deserves mentioning. I think Flight Plan's a, a and good movie. Snakes on a plane. <laughs> <laughs> I love the movie Sky High. Apparently, there was another movie that came out the same year about a superhero school called Zoom. I've never heard of this movie, but um, but I do love Sky High, so I wanted to mention that. And I think you could qualify John Wick and The Equalizer. Those are very similar ideas. Uh, you know, person they goes on kill revenge. every killed some dogs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then Christopher Robin coming out within a year of goodbye, Christopher Robin. Yeah. What are we doing? What are we even doing here? Although I did like Christopher Robin, so I did want to mention it. Uh, nice. There you go. There's the, the uh, best ever challenge. Let's get into the buried treasure. What is that one thing in any area of pop culture you want to let people know about? Um, I'm going to start, Andrew, go for it. with a twin movie from this year. Oh. There are two movies this year about fighter pilots uh, in which um, Glenn oh, Powell saves the day. Yeah. <laughs> Devotion. It's uh, good. I got a chance to see recently and really enjoyed it. Um, will it make my best of the year list? Probably not. There's a lot of great stuff this year, uh, but I really think Jonathan, Jonathan Majors is amazing in it. Uh, Glenn Powell is always fun to watch. I think it's a pretty standard movie other than that. There's nothing wrong with that. Recipes are recipes for a reason, and the recipe is good. You, I think you will enjoy this movie. Um so uh, I did want to throw a shout out for Devotion uh, because I know it's available to watch now in theaters. So uh, 
yeah, you can check that one out. Is it Top Gun Maverick? No. But it's also a little more meaningful than Top Gun Maverick because it's based on a true story and a story that I think you'll find interesting and probably want to know um, about uh, Jesse Brown, uh, about that uh, human being and what they did uh, in the war. So check out Devotion. Uh, it is out now. Uh, what do you nice. got, Andrew? Uh, it, it's not really a buried treasure because it's one of the most popular shows in the world right now. But for those of you who are on the fence, I will let you know Wednesday is an amazing show. I was blown away by how good the show is. I, I grew up watching Adam's Family and Adam's Family Values. Raul Julia was who I wanted to be when I grew up. Mm-hmm. Um... But this show is so good. Jenna Ortega, who who plays Wednesday Adams, it's crazy that somebody could be better than Christina Ricci because Christina Ricci was so good in that role. Yeah, uh, that she just defined it. It has a new owner now. Funny enough, Christina Ricci is in the show. Have you seen it, Aaron? I haven't. I will probably get back to watching television in about a month. Yeah. Well, I would put this one pretty high on your list. Okay. Uh, yeah, Christina Ricci is actually an, a, another character in the show, like a main character. It's pretty funny. But no, uh, you have like Gwendolyn Christie uh, as the, uh, the the principal of this new school. It, it really builds the show. And what I love about it the most, besides Jen Ortega, is the show builds on this Adams Family world, like. Uh, she gets thrown out of school because, you know, she did some Wednesday Adam stuff. And then she gets sent to a private school for uh, special, like, people with uh, abilities and stuff. It's very X-Men meets, uh, what was that horrible Tim Burton? This is Tim Burton, too, but he did that terrible movie with Eva Green, uh, where, I'm like, Miss sure. Pem- Pembridge's school or whatever. Oh, yeah. Uh, I don't I don't really remember yeah. that one. Yeah. Actually, you know what? Here's a better example. This is uh, Adam's family if it took place in the Harry Potter universe. I'll just say that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but instead of just wizards, there's vampires, werewolves, gorgons, you know, like Medusa, snake-headed mm-hmm. people, who it's such a clever little pun. You'll, you'll love this. They call them stoners. Nice. Because, yeah, I, I thought you would, you would like that. Um, and it's a... Pretty much what this uh, show is, if I can give you one tagline, it's Sherlock meets Harry Potter, because it's a murder mystery, too. Okay, well, there you go. That's Wednesday. I believe that's on Netflix? It is on Netflix, and it is uh, right now number one show in the world, Uh, or at least to Netflix. Wednesday is on Netflix Devotion, you can find in your local theater. And that'll do it. We did a podcast, man. Woo! Yeah, we did. Congratulations. Uh, we have accomplished something today. Thanks so much for joining us today for Sif Pop. It is part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. You can find out more about other shows on the network at studiodna.media or by searching Studio DNA in your podcast player. Huge thanks to Andrew for hanging out again today. Thank you, buddy. Big thanks to producer Phil for producing the audio and video show. Thanks, Phil. And much love and gratitude to our Sif Pop members for giving monthly to make Sif Pop a real thing. We appreciate you guys. We love you guys. Let us know if you need anything uh, over there at patreon.com 
slash siftpop. If you want to find out uh, more about what goes on, you want to connect with us, feel free to send us an email. Feedback at siftpop.com. You can also leave comments, ratings, or reviews wherever you listen, whether that's Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever. And finally, if you're having a good time, your movie-loving friends will probably like the show too. So make sure you let them know about it and that listening is much easier than building a fire inside a living mammal. Uh, We will be back next week (laughs) with Avatar and Emancipation uh, next week, the new Will Smith movie. So uh, Avatar, I don't know if it's this little indie film and uh, and Emancipation. We will uh, check those out next week. We'll see you then. Bye. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.